of God and how um, even when the unexpected happens and even when things are uncertain, that God is always certain and he's always constant and he never fails and he's sovereign and he's always in control. And, um, to me, there's just such a sense of peace in that, to be able to relinquish that control that when we feel like we are things are beyond our control, it can be kind of stressful and we can have that joy and that release and knowing that God is in control of everything and every detail. He cares about the details. And so to me, that's something that's worth rejoicing and worth celebrating this morning and just worth remembering. So let's get on our feet. We're going to worship together. Nothing can separate. Nothing can separate, even if I ran away, your love never fails. I know I still make mistakes, but you have new mercies for me every day, your love never fails. You stay the same through the ages. Your love never changes. There may be pain in the night, but joy comes in the morning. And when the oceans rage, I don't have to be afraid. Because I know that you love me. Your love never fails. Your love never fails. The wind is strong and the water's deep, but I'm not alone here in these open seas. Your love never fails. chasm is far too wide. I never thought I'd reach the other side. Your love never fails. You stay the same through the ages. Your love never changes. There may be pain in the night, but joy comes in the morning. And when the oceans rage, I don't have to be afraid, because I know that you love me. Your love never fails. Your love never fails. You make all things Work together for my good. Oh, you make all you make all things work together for my good. Oh, you make all things work together for my good. You make all things work together for my good. You stay the same through the ages. 
changes that may be pain in the night, but joy comes in the morning. And when the oceans rage, I don't have to be afraid because I know that you love me. Your love never fails. Your love never be your name in a land that is plentiful where your streams of abundance flow blessed be your name
is there for us even when we don't think we need you, Lord, that you know best and that you are sovereign and that you are with us every moment, even in the, the lonely moments and in the hard moments where it feels like no one can see us, Lord, that you, um, you meet us in every single place of our lives, Lord, the highs and the lows, the hills and the valleys, God, that you are constant and that you are never failing. We love you, God. We are so grateful for that. In your name we pray. All right, thank you so much, Elise. Thank you so much, uh, Silve. I really appreciate y'all uh, leading us in worship today. And, uh, hey, for those of you who don't know, we're kind of being led by a really wonderful, fantastic skeleton crew today. Uh, pretty much anybody who's doing something today, uh, someone else is supposed to be doing it, okay? Someone else is supposed to be doing the announcements. Uh, someone else is supposed to be doing our children's ministry uh, all, all this kind of stuff. So it's like we have lots of people. Matt was supposed to be with us, and some other people were supposed to be helping with worship today. And uh, so what happened was last week I mentioned wearing masks in public places and encouraging that, and I jinxed us all. Uh, because what happened was several people came down with COVID uh, who are part of our crew today for, for leading us in worship. And, uh, and then other people like Matt uh, have been exposed, and so he's in quarantine uh, so in just a moment, we're going to be praying for those people. Uh, but uh, what I want—I just want to say, you know, a big thank you, Rich, for stepping up when you were needed. Dan, you were already scheduled for this, but thank you. Uh, you guys, uh, Elise Silva, I really appreciate y'all stepping up. And Jackie Stansfield in the back with our kids, she stepped up as well. So um, anybody who's had a part in today's worship service, thank you, thank you. Uh, you know, one of the things that I think is so important for us and one of the things that we really want to embody as a church is connecting. Uh, I, I believe that where we have healthier connections, we become healthier people. Uh, we become healthier, healthier emotionally. We become healthier uh, spiritually. Uh, I even think that, that connection, uh, healthy connection with other people, I, I believe it plays a role in our physical lives as well. And we just need that. And so as a church, one of the things that we really like to do is connect. And if you're interested in how you can be more connected, uh, I would be happy to connect with you over a cup of coffee, all right, or, or however. But we would love to help you do that. We have different ways. You can do it by plugging into one of our, uh, our small groups that's meeting. Uh, I think our women's group is going to be moving to a Zoom format just because Matt and Carolyn, Carolyn's leading that. Matt is a little bit more vulnerable with COVID only because he has not been able to get the vaccination yet because of his, his struggle with myelofibrosis. So, uh, so that's going to shift to a Zoom format. Others of us, uh, we have a men's group who meets here on Monday nights, but would like to encourage you to do that. You can find out more by going on our website at Solana Valley. Uh, that's S-O-L-A-N-O. I know we know that. But uh, for anybody on YouTube, anybody on uh, on Facebook, who's not aware of that, you can either go to our website at solanavalley.org uh, and you can find that. Uh, or uh, also another way to, to, to uh, get involved, get more connected is with our different ministry teams. So uh, I know Dan would appreciate some help with the sound, also with running our camera, our uh, audio visual in the morning, Sunday mornings. But there are other opportunities to, to help that way as well. So just kind of letting you know about those different kinds of opportunities where you can connect. Uh, another thing I want to bring to your attention is on September the 12th, uh, we as a church are going to be celebrating our anniversary. I'm super excited about this. Uh, 
I love the years that God has given me as the pastor of our church. And I love how God has worked in the lives of so many people. So one of the things that we're going to do on our anniversary Sunday is we're going to have a baptism for anyone who has made a commitment to Christ. Uh, if you are, you've made a commitment to Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you would like to uh, celebrate that publicly, and you haven't done that yet through baptism, uh, we would love for you uh, to be a part of that. There is a sign-up sheet in the back at the table as you leave today. Uh, if you would like to know more about baptism, just you have questions about it, uh, I would love to help you with that. So you can either contact me, you can contact uh, Matt Skinner, our associate pastor, you can talk with joy, but anybody who's interested in baptism, we would love to serve you that way, and we'd like to celebrate what God has done in your life uh, in that way. So we've got that baptism coming up here uh, in a couple of weeks. Uh, and then for giving, uh, there are a number of ways that we can contribute to the ministries of Solana Valley Church. And uh, one of those is through online giving. All you have to do is go to Solana Valley. Uh, .org backslash giving, and there are several ways listed there. Uh, uh, in fact, I went there uh, yesterday to review all the ways that you can give uh, just for this morning. But another way you can, you can give is by texting uh, to give, uh, simply uh, texting give. Uh, and what you do is you text to the, the word give, G-I-V-E, all uppercase, to 707 883 That's 707 707- Eight eight three three zero one nine. Uh, you can also give through our SBC Church app, um, and then uh, of course through online banking. Uh, I know some of us prefer to do that, or you can also give through uh, through a check. And all you need to do uh, is you can either mail in a check uh, if you like. I don't uh, encourage people to mail cash. I guess you could do that. Uh, but you can mail that to Solana Valley Church, 1307 Oliver Road. Uh, that's here, Fairfield, California, 94534. So 1307 Oliver Road, uh, Fairfield, California, 94534. Make sure if you write a check, it's payable to Solana Valley Church. And finally, if you're here today, uh, which you guys are, those of you on Facebook, YouTube, you're not, uh, we have a little slot back here in the back. Uh, right behind our sound booth, there's a little slot there where you can drop that off if you like to do that. So right now, we are working our way through John chapter 9. Uh, you know, you guys know me pretty well, most of you. Okay, those of you who've been coming here for a while, you know me. And uh, those of you who maybe you're just meeting me for the first time today, I'm kind of a sentimental guy, okay? I'm, I'm kind of a, a sentimental guy. I feel things deeply. Uh, sometimes not always in a good way, uh, but a lot of times it is in a good way. And so, uh, so, so what I'm going to tell you is uh, I, I tend to be somewhat sentimental. On top of that, I haven't had much sleep for about the last three days. And on top of that, we just dropped off our youngest daughter uh, down in Los Angeles uh, for school. And so, so if today, you know, all those things together... Uh, there's a story I was looking at this morning that Joy and I talked about that really touched this dad spot in my heart. So I'm just going to tell you right up front, if I'm a little bit more emotional, I'll make it, all right? By the way, can you to, look to the person beside you, okay? Just say, hey, we're going to make it today. Can you do that? We're going to make it today. Okay, and it, 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 secondly, why don't you turn to the person next to you and, and say this. I'd like you to say this to someone, all right? God is awesomely in charge. Can you do that? 
Yeah, yeah, God, God is awesomely in charge. And sometimes it doesn't feel like that, okay? Uh, I don't, I've never really thought of myself as a controlling person until all of a sudden I begin to realize how out of control I am. Uh, uh, and one of the things that's good for me is to remind myself that God is awesomely in charge. Also, God is good. God is always faithful. And, uh, and that's why we can walk by faith. Uh, but I just want to remind you of those things. Um, we've been looking at John chapter, well, we haven't been looking at John chapter 9, but we've been looking at the Gospel of John, and we're doing this series called Highlights in John. And we're just kind of going through chapter by chapter. This week we're in chapter 9. We spent about two weeks in chapter 8, and one of the things we read about in chapter 8 is that God is the, or that, that the Lord Jesus Christ is the light of the world. And that all who follow him will not walk in darkness. And we're actually going to hear something like that again from Jesus today in John chapter 9. So we're going to be looking at John chapter 9. If you have your Bible, I'd encourage you to open up to that. If you have it on your phone, uh, please uh, you know, turn to it on your phone. But we're going to be looking at John chapter 9. Um, I remember seeing this guy every day. In the same spot. Every day. It was like he would never move. From one moment to the next, he stood like a statue. And from one day to the next, he was always in the same place. Uh, I was 19 years old. I, had sp- I spent about two months working in the Philippines. I was in a place called Cebu. Anybody ever hear of Cebu? Anybody been to Cebu besides me? No? No? Uh, so Cebu City, it's on the island of Cebu. It's away from Luzon, the, the, the large island of the Philippines. It's in the Visayas. And, and I was there. I was doing missionary work. And every day I, I would take a, a jeepney from the place that we lived in, uh, in, in the, the Guadalupe uh, district there of Cebu City. And I would go to the University of Cebu where I would talk with people about Jesus. And this was my daily practice for about two months while I was there. And every day I would take this jeepney, and every day I would see this same guy standing in the same place. And his hand was held out like this. He had a staff that he used, I think in part, just to hold himself stable, but I also think he used it to guide himself. Uh, he was blind. His eyes were always shut, but you could see uh, in his face, you could see how his eyes were misshaped, even though his eyes were closed. And um, in, even today, not so much as it used to be, but for years after that, I would be haunted by this guy. I just couldn't get the image out of my mind. I, you know, when I would see him, I, I saw a man whose face was completely plain, but I saw no hope. I saw no joy. I watched people walk by him and I just felt powerless to do anything that could possibly help him. And I just, you know, I had seen poverty before. I had seen poverty. I mean, I used to drive to to Memphis from Little Rock to Memphis. I lived in Little Rock as a kid and I can remember driving through eastern Arkansas as a kid and seeing these shotgun houses where a lot of very, very poor black people in that part of the state lived at that time. 
Uh, and so I had seen poverty, but not quite on this scale or in this kind of way that was so personal. Um, in John chapter 9, in John chapter 9, we're going to read a story. We're going to see a story about two kinds of blindness. By the way, by the way, before I, I read for you John chapter 9, the ability to see is a gift. Did you know that? The ability, God has given us the ability to see. And the ability to see is a gift. By the way, that's why we have to be really, really careful about the kinds of things that we look at. We do. We have to be very careful about the kinds of things we fix our gaze on. The ability to see is a gift. It's a gift. The other thing I want you to see as we look at this text today is that there's more than one kind of blindness. There's more than one kind of blindness. And um, it's been said that there are none so blind as those who will not see. We're going to look at this kind of blindness today in John chapter 9. So if you uh, have your Bible, open up. I'm going to start for us right there at uh, verse 1 of John 9. And, uh, and what the Bible says is he, Jesus, went along. He saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked Jesus, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind. Now, they're thinking at that time, was that if a person was suffering in some way, it was, it was because of either somehow they had sinned against God or their parents had sinned against God. This was a common way of thinking in the ancient world. By the way, some people still kind of think this way. Uh, sometimes, uh, you know, in ministry, I've heard this many times, and I've seen it with other friends of mine in ministry, is that sometimes parents who have a child that's really suffering, sometimes parents feel a sense of guilt, like somehow their suffering is due to something in their own lives, that they're somehow at fault. And what I want to tell you is, is that in, in most cases that simply isn't true. Okay? And so what the disciples did is they see this man and they ask this question, who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind? Now think about this for a moment. These are the disciples. These are not the Pharisees. These are the guys who are supposed to be the good guys. And they're asking this question, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? The disciples saw this man, and they saw an opportunity for theological discussion. That they divorced themselves from the pain in this man's life to simply talk about him. Jesus sees something very, very different. In verse 3, Jesus says to his disciples, he says, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it's day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. 
while I am in the world. I am the light of the world. That this happened so that the works of God might be displayed. That is important to pay attention to. Verse 6. After saying this, Jesus spit on the ground. Oh, boy. Okay. By the way, on the Sabbath, it was legal to spit on the ground. Did you know that? Ancient Jewish culture, it was legal to spit on the ground on the Sabbath. However, if your spirit, if your spit created a tiny furrow in the dirt, it was considered breaking the Sabbath because you create a furrow in which to plant a seed. That was a part of their tradition. Jesus spits on the ground, and then the Bible says he made some mud with the saliva. This is really kind of a pretty picture. Are you seeing this? Don't just hear the words. I don't want to just blow past you. I want you to see spit coming out of the mouth of Jesus. I want you to see it hit the ground and roll. I'm thinking, how many times do you have to spit to create mud? Okay? Once, twice, three times, more? And he creates some mud with the saliva, and then he put it on the man's eyes. Are you kidding me? Who does that? Well, Jesus does. But who else does that? Spit on the ground, create mud, start putting it on a person's eyes that you don't even know? Hmm. Jesus anoints the man's eyes with the mud, and then he says, go, uh, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. Wow, isn't that crazy? Uh, his neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that it was. Others said, No, he only looks like him. But he himself, the man who had been blind, insisted, I am the man. I'm the man. I'm the guy that you see all the time. When you would walk down the streets, I was the guy holding my hand out with my hand on the staff. That was me. How then were your eyes open, they asked. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud, put it on my eyes. I kind of wonder, did he know that Jesus made the mud with the saliva? You know, I mean, he was blind. You know, uh, he, he said, I'm, uh, he said, the man, uh, Jesus made some mud, put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Salome and wash. So I went and washed. And then I could see. Where's this man? They asked. And the man said, I, I don't know. They brought to the Pharisees, the man who had been blind. Now, the day on which Jesus made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Uh oh. Anytime you see the word Sabbath in the Gospels, you should always be thinking, uh-oh, you know, this is where you, I don't know, you hear the, you know, the movie Jaws, the music, you know, when the shark is coming, okay? That's kind of what, you should hear Jaws music anytime you hear the word Sabbath when you're reading through the Gospels. Um, it says, they brought the man to the Pharisees who had been blind. The day on which Jesus had made the mud, opened the man's eyes, was a Sabbath. Therefore, the Pharisees also asked him, how he had received the sight. Reasonable question. Hey, you were blind. How would you receive your sight? And the man said, well, he, 
uh, put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man's not from God, for he doesn't keep the Sabbath. By the way, it was a sin to heal on the Sabbath. Okay? Bizarre, right? Remember, these are man-made traditions about the Sabbath. It's not a part of the Sabbath teaching of the Old Testament. Uh, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, how can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. Uh, They then turned again to the blind man. Uh, What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, he's a prophet. Makes perfect sense, right? I mean, something miraculous happened that's undeniable. It makes perfect sense. He, 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 He is a prophet. But the Pharisees still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. By the way, you know, that's not a bad idea. Seek verification. Someone tells you a wild, crazy story. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I'm kind of like that. You know, I want verification. You know, I want to know what's your documentation. Sometimes people come and they'll tell me and they'll say, well, experts say, and I say, well, what is your documentation? Who are these so-called experts? All right. Uh, and so that's kind of what they do. Uh, they, they ask for uh, documentation. Uh, and, and so they, they seek out the parents. In verse 19, it says, Is this your son, they asked? Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that he can now see? Okay, three questions. Is this your son? Was he born blind? How can he see? Three very reasonable questions. The only problem is the people asking these questions aren't reasonable people. They're Pharisees. They're the Pharisees. They are very, many of them, very dangerous. Okay? The parents respond, verse 20, we know he's our son. The parents answered. And we know he was born blind. But how he can see now or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He's of age. He'll speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had already decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was Messiah would be put out of the synagogue and circle the words they had already decided. You ever have a conversation with someone who's already decided? Sometimes you feel like you're talking to a brick wall. They had already decided that if anyone acknowledged Jesus was the Messiah, that that person would be put out of the synagogue. And that's why they, uh, his parents said, he is of age, ask him. They're just passing the buck. By the way, kind of a human thing. It's kind of what we want to do. When we find ourselves in trouble, it's much easier to pass the buck. And that's what the parents do. A second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Notice this phrase, give glory to God. Give glory to God. And here, the NIV says, by telling the truth. That is an interpretation of the text. That word doesn't, those words don't actually appear in the actual Greek manuscript. So most English Bibles will simply say, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. And the point is this. The point is this. They were already prejudiced about the decision that was going to be made. And they're saying, Uh, They're telling this man, uh, we know that he is a sinner. And what they are trying to do is they are trying to manipulate this man into giving them the answers that they want. 
Does that happen in our world today? Only every day. doesn't matter what we're talking about. Every day. Give glory to God. We know this man is a sinner. And that's what they want to hear from the man. But this is what the man does. And I love this guy. And I want you to see something about this man. I have read this text. I cannot tell you how many times. I've spent a lot of hours reflecting on, reading, studying, meditating on this text. And what I want you to understand, something about this man, is he is more than a man who is blind. He is a man who is made of something sturdy. You know what I'm talking about? He is a man who really doesn't give a rip what anybody else says or thinks. He is going to tell the truth. By the way, telling the truth when it's costly, when it costs you everything, that is a mark of courage. Just telling the truth when it's reckless and hurtful of other people, that's not a mark of courage. That's a mark of, I don't know, it's just, it's, it's ridiculous, okay? We're talking about a man who tells the truth, not when it costs the other people something. We're talking about a man who tells the truth when it costs him everything. Um, what verse am I on? 25, Okay. Uh, whether he's just, oh, okay, and this is how the man re- responds. I love this response. Whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. I love that. You know, sometimes the most powerful testimony, one of the things that I've asked you to do in this church from time to time is I like to ask people, write out your testimony. Write out your testimony in 100 words or less. Anybody ever remember me asking you to do that before? Okay, a few of you. I've asked you to do that. Why do I ask you to do it in 100 words or less? Because if you do more than 100 words, you won't do it. The other thing is, is that most people want a short answer. They don't want a a 60-minute sermon, but I'm going to give you one anyway, okay? Most people want a very, very short answer. And, and I love what he does, is he talks about the before in his life. I once was blind, but now I see. By the way, that's what a testimony is. It's your before and after story. It's the story of how your faith has been tested. Or it's the story about how you came to faith. And this is what my life was. Then Jesus, and this is what my life is. I was once a very, very insecure, angry, lonely teenage boy. And I met Jesus in a special way when I was 16 years old. And today, (laughs) I still have my my struggles. I'm not quite sinless today. I can still be fearful. I can still be angry at times like I was as a kid. But this is what I do know is I belong to Jesus and I know he has a purpose and a plan for my life. And that's something I didn't know as a young man. But it's a before and after story. I was blind, but now I see. Verse 26. What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes, they asked. He answered, I've told you already. This is that sturdiness coming through. I've told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? You want to become his disciples? 
And I, I, I really believe that there is sarcasm in his voice when he says that to these guys. I do, I do. <laughs> do you want to become his disciples too? Verse 28. When, um, then they hurled insults at him. By the way, when you don't know what to say, it's typically when people don't know what to say, they just hurl insults. And that's what these guys do. It's the, what do you call it, an ad hominem uh, argument where you, when you attack the person instead of addressing real issues. By the way, if you ever read or study or watch anything related to, to politics, this is, this is politics in the 21st century, people. All right? This is, by the way, it was politics in the first century as well. All right? So they began to hurl insults at him. You are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses. But as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. Now, this guy is not going to be put off. He's not going to be put off. He's, he's like, he, he, he knows. He's, he's kind of digging. He's kind of p- pushing his finger there. I don't know if you had a brother or sister who did this with you as a kid, or maybe you did it to your brother or sister when you were a kid, where you're kind of annoying them, poking them with a finger. That's exactly what this guy is doing. He's poking them. Um. Now, that's remarkable, says the man. You don't know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. Uh, We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody's ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. You read through the Old Testament, you don't see it. Nobody's heard uh, of, of the opening of the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. This man is clearly from God. Verse 34, to this they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. That's why you were born blind. You were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. They threw him out of the synagogue. See, this is a man who told the truth. It cost him everything, by the way. But what he finds, or maybe I should say who finds him, is much better than anything he lost when he was thrown out of the synagogue. Because the very next verse, verse 35, says, Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, and when he found him, Jesus goes and finds this man. Do you believe in the Son of Man? He asked. By the way, Son of Man, messianic term used somewhat in the Old Testament. Actually, several times in the Old Testament, uh, Jesus loves to refer to himself as the Son of Man. It's a messianic uh, phrase, meaning that that, that he's basically claiming to be the Christ. And he asked him, do you believe in the Son of Man? The man answered, who is he, sir? Tell me so that I may believe in him. In verse 37, Jesus says, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Jesus is claiming to be the Messiah, the Christ. The man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped. He worshiped. Jesus said, for judgment I came into this world so that the blind will uh, will see and those who see will become blind. Verse 40. Some Pharisees who were with him. By the way, there were some Pharisees who were very friendly towards Jesus. Nicodemus was one of them. And there were some others. Some Pharisees who were with Jesus heard him say this and they asked, what, are, are we blind too? Are we blind too? 
Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim, you can see your guilt remains. Remember that. Remember those words. Let me share with you a few thoughts here if I can. A few thoughts. Number one is this. Sometimes God allows us to suffer so that he might display his work in our lives. Did you know that? Now, I'm just going to tell you the truth. You know, uh, I'm kind of like my dad. I can stand almost anything but suffering. All right? Actually, he would say, I can stand almost anything but pain. But I'll, I'll just say, I can stand almost anything but suffering. Uh, that in humidity, flies, mosquitoes, and a couple other things I can't stand either. Uh, you know, sometimes God allows us to suffer so that he might display his work in our lives. The disciple wanted to know who had sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind. And like many people in the ancient world and some people in the modern world, they assumed suffering was because of sin. They, they were kind of like the friends of Job who assumed that the reason that Job was suffering was because of sin in his life. By the way, if blindness were a penalty of sin, folks, just if I saw you here, I, I'm really deeply sorry. By the way, that was sarcasm, okay? Uh, but if I offend you, let, let me just be really clear about this. If blindness were a penalty of sin, every person in this room would be blind right now, okay? We all would be. And, and would, would, would Jesus, he quickly clears things up. He says, by, it, neither this man sinned nor his parents. This man was born blind so that the works of God might be revealed in him. This young lady, her name's Bethany Hamilton. Anybody know who Bethany Hamilton is? She has a wonderful story. Actually, they made a movie about her life. What's the name of that movie? Surfer or something? Soul Surfer. Soul Surfer. Great movie. Great movie if you've never seen it. Um, And uh, it's just a a cool, cool story about this little gal. She was probably, I don't know, 14, 15. Um, She was out surfing with some friends, was attacked by a tiger shark, a very, very large tiger shark. Very fortunate she only lost her arm. Uh, It almost killed her. Uh, She lost an an incredible amount of blood. And, And the story is about... The story is about the, the depression and the grief and the pain that she felt because of this loss that she had. And, and you know, it, it's in our world, in our world, our world is so incredibly cruel. Our world is so incredibly cruel in how it defines beauty. Our world is incredibly cruel in how it defines beauty. For our wives, our mothers, our sisters, our daughters. It tells us you have to look exactly like this. You have to have exactly these features. And if anything's flawed, then you're not beautiful. Young teenage girl losing her arm. Flawed. Um, Deeply, deeply painful. Uh, Bethany Hamilton went on to create a ministry to young girls. It's called Beautifully Flawed. It's for, I told you, I might get sentimental today. I apologize. I've got two daughters, okay? And I've just left one in L.A., all right? And I'm tired. Um, But, you know, um, 
she, she created this ministry, and I love what they do. Uh, because what they do is they help young women who are, who've had um, amputations. They help these young women. Um, they help these young women recognize the beauty um, that God has given to their lives and what God wants to do in and through them. Uh, God can bring something beautifully redemptive out of our greatest pain. Did you know that? Did you know that God can bring something beautifully redemptive out of your greatest pain? Think about your greatest pain in your life. Every one of us has that. Every one of us has a pain in our lives. Every one of us has gone through something where we have experienced great pain. And what I want you to understand is that Jesus can redeem that and bring something very, very beautiful out of that. That the reason that this man was born blind was why? So that God might display his works in him. God wants to do that, not just in his life, but your life, my life as well. Second thing I want you to see in this text, God wants us to watch out for opportunities to alleviate suffering in the lives of others. I think this is the point of Jesus, and I think it's pretty clear, okay? So you can open your Bible. I'm sorry, I closed mine. I shouldn't have done that. Uh, you can go back to, to, to chapter 9, and you look at verse 3, and, and Jesus answers the, the disciples when they ask, Who sinned? And, and, and Jesus said, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened so that God might... Uh, be displayed so that the works of God might be displayed in him. And then in verse 4, Jesus says this. Jesus says this. He says it to his disciples. And I believe he says it to us today. As long as it's day, folks, there is a day of opportunity in our lives. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. As long, to, what day? Today. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. What day are we talking about? Yeah. Yeah, every day. Every day God has given you on this planet is the day. And, and what, what Jesus says, as long as it's day, we must do the works of him who sent me. What is the work of God? Isn't it to alleviate suffering? Isn't it to alleviate suffering? Isn't it to help the person who's hurting or painful? By the way, in this church, I said earlier about how important connecting is and how we want to. Did you know that we need to be very open and receptive to every person who walks through the doors of this church? People need a place to belong. I think sometimes we get so comfortable with our little group of friends. But sometimes there's a person who's on the outside, and they need the same kind of friendship that we have. Part of the work of God is showing kindness and compassion to the people around us who need it. They need that. God wants us to watch out for opportunities to alleviate suffering in the lives of others. 
number three, third thing I want you to see here, God wants us to watch out for spiritual blindness in our lives. Okay? By the way, who can be spiritually blind? Every single person in this room. By the way, I can guarantee you there's been a time where you've been spiritually blind or you are spiritually blind right now to something in your life. Okay? At the very end of this story, what happens with Jesus, with the Pharisees, remember? Are we blind too? And how does Jesus respond? Jesus says, um, he says this, uh, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin, but now you claim you can see. Your guilt remains. By the way, when we think we're not blind, if we're not careful, we find ourselves really at cross purposes with God. So what, what is spiritual? Let me talk briefly with you about, about some symptoms of spiritual blindness, things to look out for in your life. And, and let me give you a few. And there's a few of them here, okay? Number one, first symptom, first symptom uh, that, that you may be struggling with spiritual blindness in your life. Number one, a fierce loyalty to following rules. A fierce loyalty to following rules. Uh, Number two, a lack of compassion for those who are suffering. By the way, when we are more committed to policies than people, we are just like the Pharisees. They were all about the policies. You got it. If you spit on the ground and it creates a furrow on the Sabbath, you're a sinner. They were all about policies and not so much about people. Uh, A a, a Fierce loyalty to following the rules. A lack of compassion for those who are suffering. By the way, who was failing to show compassion to the suffering? It wasn't just the Pharisees. Even the disciples. Hey, who who sinned? This man or, or his parents that he was born blind. They were oblivious to his suffering. They saw this more as an opportunity for theological discussion than showing kindness. Okay, so a fierce loyalty to following the rules, a lack of compassion for those who are suffering. Number three, a stubborn refusal to consider, uh, to reconsider their own opinions. This is something every Republican needs to pay attention to. This is something every Democrat needs to pay attention to. When we are so convinced that we are right, that we cannot listen to another person, We do not show that we're right. If we're not careful, we show that we're a fool. When we are not willing to reconsider our own opinions, if we are so convinced, I'm right, he's wrong. A stubborn refusal to reconsider our own opinions is not healthy. There is none so blind as those who will not see. The Pharisees were asking questions, but they were not seeking truth. They were looking for a reason to dismiss the miracle of Jesus, to make Jesus out to be a sinner and a dangerous influence misleading the multitudes. They were more concerned with protecting their place of influence than seeking the truth. A stubborn refusal to reconsider our own opinions. Number four, I think it is, uh, fourth symptom. Uh, the practice of bullying others with our way of thinking. 
again, I'll just tell you, part of the reason I'm so turned off by politics in America today is there's so much bullying going on. That, 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 um, that they, they, the Pharisees, they were trying to, they tried to bully the man. Then they tried to bully his parents. Then they tried to bully the man into getting them to say what they wanted to hear. This, this practice of bullying others, this is a tactic that is becoming increasingly practiced by both the liberal left and the religious right. Jesus never bullied anybody. And he was always right. And he confronted people, but he never bullied anybody. Uh, a fifth, a fifth uh, symptom that we might be struggling with spiritual blindness in our lives, defensiveness when we're challenged. I can and often do struggle with defensiveness. I'm just going to tell you the truth. I do. All right? It's a flaw of mine. I'm working on it. I've been working on it, I don't know, 61 years, something like that. In September, it'll be 62, unless I figure it all out between now and September 1st. Uh, defensiveness when we're challenged. And then finally, I, number six, uh, excessive pride. By the way, uh, with excessive pride comes blindness. The guy who said that was not a Christian, Okay. But it's very, very true. Uh, it, with excessive pride comes blindness. There are some people too proud to admit they're blind. They're in denial about their blindness. They trust that they have insight because they are religious and self-righteous. This is a very, very dangerous place to live. Pride, self-righteousness, and spiritual blindness walk hand in hand. But get this. Get this. Let's get back on the positive side of this. Can we do this for a second? Have I been negative enough for you this morning? Let me try to get positive real quick, and then I'll make up for all the negativity, okay? Uh, if pride, self-righteousness, and spiritual blindness walk hand in hand, then I'm going to say humility, seeking truth, and receptivity to, uh, receptivity to Jesus walk hand in hand, okay? That's where we want to be. That's where we want to be. There's more than one kind of blindness. In John 9, we see two kinds of blindness. We see physical blindness but we also see spiritual blindness. The ability to see is a gift. And we have a responsibility to use this gift well. There are none so blind as those who will not see. The three lessons we learn from this passage today. Number one, sometimes God allows us to suffer so that he might display his work in our lives. Two, God wants us to watch out for opportunities to alleviate suffering in the lives of others. And three, God wants us to watch out for spiritual blindness in our lives. I'm going to ask the worship team to go ahead and come back up, and then I'm going to lead us in prayer. All right, let's pray. God, you are great. You are awesome. You are good. You are always faithful. You are awesomely in charge. Uh, even when I feel like things are out of control. Uh, you are, God, you are compassionate towards those who suffer. You are not indifferent to the suffering of other people any more than, than Jesus was indifferent to this man. You are a God who cares deeply for pain in our lives and the pain of other people. 
Uh, God, you are, uh, you are God who wants us to learn to be compassionate and to show compassion to others who are suffering. And Lord, we need your help because all of us at times are going to drift into spiritual blindness. It's just a part of, of living uh, in this world and struggling with our own personal sin. But God, deep down, I think we really want to follow Jesus and we want to be humble. So help us, God. Help us to learn how uh, to be open and receptive and to really be able to do uh, a healthy inventory uh, of our lives. Not morbid introspection, but a healthy, um, uh, a healthy kind of looking at the interior parts of our lives. Help us to do this in a healthy way. And, um, and so, uh, God, I, I do want to pray for those people that we were talking about on the front end of our service. Uh, I want to pray for those who, uh, some who have come down with COVID this last week, and there, there are a few from our church. I want to pray for those, God, who are currently in quarantine because of their exposure. Uh, in particular, God, today I really want to pray for Matt. Uh, I just pray that you would protect him. Uh, I pray that you would... Um, I want to continue to pray for his bone marrow transplant, for that his, his body will completely receive it, and um, and and that that he will be able to get the vaccine soon. Uh, God, for all of us, help us to walk humbly. Uh, help us to be more concerned about the interests and concerns of others than we are our own. Uh, help us to willingly. Uh, Humbly give up our rights as Christ gave up his for us uh, in showing love and concern for others. And help us to do this for the glory of your name. And I pray this in Christ's name and for your glory. Amen. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. 
of your congregation this morning, just your encouraging and loving spirit, such a joy to be around. Um, you are so blessed by a pastor who um, is so truthful and loving, and um, I just am, am blessed by you, Pastor Gary, to get to be shepherded by you today. Um, don't forget that there are invitation cards in the back if you want to pick those up on your way out and um, invite someone to church. And um, man, I, if I were you, this is a church to invite people to. So definitely do that. Um, and we love you and have a great week. <laughs> 